0: Hello and a very warm welcome to our first podcast on All About Montessori. My name is Stephanie and I'm a language arts teacher at Summit Cuesta Montessori School. As we know, parents, educators, teachers and communities around the world often have questions about the education system around the world, around Montessori education, the current changes in education and many other issues related to education. Here, we are inviting leaders of the industry to help and communicate with our community. In our first episode on All About Montessori, I have invited Miss Judy Dempsey, principal and owner of Summit Cuesta Montessori School in Davie, Florida, and publisher of the book Turning Education Inside Out, Confessions of a Montessori Principal. Miss Judy and her school are not only leaders in the Montessori community, she is the director of Summit Montessori Teacher Training Institute, a MACTI accredited Montessori Teacher Training Center. She is also the founding board member of the Montessori Florida Coalition, which focuses on bringing awareness and professional development to the Montessori community in Florida. She, her school and the training center are all members of the American Montessori Society. As an educator, Miss Judy has always believed that Montessori education is the key for social change and progress. She's here today to discuss the planes of development philosophy behind the Montessori education and share some of her eye-opening views of education and her philosophy. Miss Judy,
1: a very warm welcome to our first podcast. Well, thank you, Miss Stephanie, and it's an honor to be here and the guest for your very first podcast. I am really excited to share with all of you more information about Montessori. You know, it can be a very misunderstood philosophy. I have been passionate about Montessori since 1975. Uh, I actually uh, graduated with a degree in elementary education in New York City and worked in the public schools for my very first experience in education and. To my delight, I was able to find a Montessori uh, job right out of my public school experience, and that changed my life. Uh, It transformed my view of education, it transformed my view of what's important in education, and I have been on that path since that time with only, only, Um, a passion for building understanding of Montessori for parents and in our school. So I'm here to share with you. There's so much we can share because this is a very in-depth philosophy, but let me start off with what Stephanie mentioned about planes of development. Dr. Montessori looked at this a little bit differently from traditional educators. You know, she looked as a scientist and a doctor, so maybe that's the first introduction, you know, Dr. Montessori was not an educator. Uh, she didn't even wanna be an educator, but she was drawn to medicine, to engineering, to anthropology, to all of these fields that in her time were really pretty much close to women. So she was a pioneer in her time for women and for women's rights. So being one of the very first graduates uh, in medical school in Italy at the turn of the 20th century, then yes, she really was um, an iconic personality. So in her field of medicine, she did come across a group of children in the hospital that uh, no one really knew what to do with. So she, that's how it started. She ended up working with them and experimenting different ways of working with them, creating some of her materials, uh, researching the uh, scientists who were actually w- also researching special needs, and then designed this program that had them working hands-on. Okay, hands-on materials. And remarkably, after a few years of working with these young people, they, they pass the state exam that's typically given to students without any special needs. So that's how it all began for her. And then from that point forward, she really focused on the development of the child um, under normal circumstances without special needs. And in that study and observation as a scientist, she discovered that children went through definite stages or planes of development, as we just mentioned. And the very first plane of development was birth through three years of age. The second was uh, three years of age through six years of age or early childhood. And then six to nine years of age for elementary 9 to 12 for upper elementary, middle school from 12 to 18 as secondary, and then from 18 to 21 um, early adulthood. So those were the planes that she has us look at as her followers as being very significant in, in how the child develops. So for example, In the birth through three-year plane of development, which we typically call the infant-toddler stage, you know, she was very, very specific about preparing the environment very carefully for independence whereas this is the stage where children are seeking independence where they're seeking acquisition of language and their whole view of the world actually whether they trust the world or they don't trust the world and whether they they learn to become independent within their little world and then you move on to the next plane of early childhood, three to six, where it's a very different stage of development for the brain and for the, for the body and for the psyche. And this is where uh, most people typically think about Dr. Montessori's work in that early childhood phase, three to six, where everything that the child does in that classroom to learn, they explore with their hands and so she developed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of learning tools, materials, that the children, to this day, use in in authentic Montessori schools. And then, of course, you move on to the next plane of elementary, six to nine and nine to 12, and again, the children are still working on a concrete level with materials, but it's also the journey to abstraction. And this is the age where Montessori develops um, her cu- cosmic curriculum, which it it actually cosmic, referring to universe, where where the children are now um, immersed in learning so much about how the universe works. So all of her scientific background comes into play in all areas of sciences. It's a remarkable curriculum and this is the age of imagination. So sometimes you know um, people misinterpreted her her theories of, of exposing children to fantasy and imagination and because she did not advise doing that in the early years, People thought that was just off the table. No, not at all. She felt it was better presented at a more developmentally appropriate time, which was from the age of six on. So her whole curriculum in elementary is based on imagination, is based on sparking their imagination, is based on great stories and art and music. And it just is a beautiful, beautiful approach to education that allows children to be so excited about what they're learning and to guide their own learning. And then, of course, uh, the next stage in, in, in our Montessori world is the adolescent stage from 12 to 18. And that is where they actually begin to become almost like toddlers again. If you have an adolescent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're adolescents in adult-sized bodies, but they need that same kind of structure and support at the adolescent age and, and safety precautions as they did at the toddler infant and toddler age. So that's pretty much a a very nutshell summary about the planes of development which is very you know important and and a fundamental uh, part of the Montessori philosophy. Thank you Miss Judy. So obviously the Montessori
0: education it is very different from traditional standardized education and it extends well beyond the basics of literacy and numeracy and digs also
1: into the social aspects of life, correct? Absolutely. I would say Montessori philosophy and methodology is one of the very few approaches to education that really looks at the development of the entire child. Not just the intellectual development, which I'm not minimizing. It certainly is important. However, not at the expense of the other areas of development that are just as important, such as social development and emotional development and spiritual development. All of those areas are necessary uh, to create a functioning happy human being so we really do look at all of those areas in 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 preparing our environments at every level it's part of what we do in Montessori and you know anyone can go to any traditional school and if you want a rigorous academic program they're out there correct the difference in Montessori is that we can still have a rigorous academic um, experience in Montessori, but they're also getting so much more. Um, and the difference is in traditional, typically the teacher guides the, the path of learning. The teacher plans all of the lessons. The teacher you know, gives the lessons when the teacher feels it's the appropriate time. So it's teacher driven. That's in a traditional setting. In Montessori, it's just the opposite. Not to say that the teachers are not giving presentations. Of course they are. They're looking at the child. They know there are things they need to have presentations for, and they do. But the difference is is that much of the learning going on in Montessori environments are child-driven, and that is the best way. We all know that if we are interested in something, if we are excited about something, we are going to put the effort into learning more about it and the hard work into it. So that's, that's how monastery works because the children have so many opportunities for self-exploration. That they don't mind doing the lessons that the teacher will also interject like these are certain things that you need to do. So there's no such thing in elementary Montessori saying, no, I don't want to work on math all week. You know, I, I just love to draw. I love art. I love this. I love that. That's not that's not um, how it works. It, it works with a balance as life is, right? So the children understand that it's a give-and-take in our community you know they have many opportunities to work on what they love to do but we also as the educators have a responsibility to them to make sure that they're getting what they need also so there's the balance the give and the take of what they need and what they want and it's just absolutely throughout the week it's a loving nurturing balance that goes on in doing both
0: That's great. And I think um, what I have to say to that is probably that children really thrive when they are offered different choices and different opportunities. So um, another big thing is when I came here to this school, it made me really um, think about it because respect, for example, is at the root of our values in your school, Miss Judy. So the respect for oneself, respect for others and the respect for the environment. And I think that's such a great thing to have because not every traditional standard school does have that. And um, as we are following all the the all the Mont- Montessori principles, um, and you have just mentioned that actually, um, what can the parents expect of the school academically? Are they, are we very rigorous? Or what are our academically,
1: um, yeah. Well, that, that's a really good question, Stephanie. <laughs> and it's one I get quite often from families who are interested in Montessori. You know, it's an interesting answer as well, because here's the thing. Yes, we have as academic rigor as any school could provide, but it's not pushed on all children. So there's, there's the, the, the wiggle room, right? Because some children are not going to thrive if they're pushed too much. Okay. In fact, the opposite will occur. In fact, they will pull back, or they will shut down, or they will lose interest in learning. So we are very, very careful about how we approach that. Is there academic rigor? Absolutely. Our students work at very high levels, but it doesn't have that same pressure as many other types of traditional programs have where they're constantly being bombarded with, you must perform, you must perform, you must have these grades, you must perform these test scores. No, our approach is very different. And it's really about we love to learn. So if we're going to learn something, we're going to do it in the best way possible. We're going to give it our best. Now, that is different for every single human being, okay? Some, pe- some students have much higher abilities than others do. But we're going to encourage and support st- every student to do their best, which to me is a winning combination because they're feeling successful for who they are. And let me just share, that is one of the secrets of success. Students, people, need to feel successful. They need to have confidence in who they are and in their abilities. And those abilities and those gifts may be very different for every person. So the person who's a math whiz may not be really good at social skills. Or the person who's a terrific writer may not be a math whiz. So we send this message to our students, our children in Montessori, that we all have gifts. (laughs) We all are good at certain things. And we all have challenges. And our view, our vision is to work together as communities to help each other, to share our gifts with each other, and to share our well let's just say our ability to support those in other areas that they're not uh, that they need um, help and support in so it's a very different approach and that's why I say the more you learn about it I you know the more passionate I became about it because it really does contribute to the to the development of a well-rounded human being you know one who's going to help each other one who is aware of their strengths aware of their weaknesses and when they're aware of their weaknesses then we help them to learn to communicate about how to get help you know okay so if you're not strong in math what can you do to support yourself to help yourself you ask for help and so dr montessori created these beautiful communities where there's a three-year age mixture where there's all different levels of abilities and strengths that can be there to support and help so it's not just the teacher supporting and helping the children in the classroom it's each other they're all supporting and helping each other I think you specifically
0: see that in the secondary education specifically also for example in my classroom in language arts really sometimes the eighth graders are helping the sixth graders or the Mm -hmm. sixth graders are helping the eighth graders and it's such a great thing to do because sometimes they just want to have other students to help them and not the teacher so i think that's a great amazing thing but as we're speaking about secondary education specifically and out of lessons um i'm sure many parents would like to know you know if I have a child in 6th, 7th, 8th grade in a Montessori school, and then they go to a different private school, a different public school afterwards, will they have problems? Or will they not have problems at all? I mean, my personal experience, I can tell you so far, or I can tell everyone, that we didn't even have one child the last three years who had problems when entering a traditional or public school. Right, Ms. Judy? No,
1: absolutely. Um, And I've been graduating students from our eighth grade middle school program for, I guess it's going on 24 years now. And I can tell you that the vast majority of them go into high school and are very successful. Um, They, and I'll tell you why, because sometimes it doesn't make sense. Parents will say that, Well, how can they be successful in a traditional program if they've gone through a whole Montessori environment and never had to deal with that? Well, there's a couple of answers to that. One, one of the most important is that don't forget, we have been helping them form that strength within, okay, of self-knowledge, of knowing what they're good at, knowing what they need help with, and love of learning. So we see students who emerge from us as lifelong learners. And I will not sit here and say, oh, they all become attorneys. They all become doctors. They all become architects. Although many do, it's because they follow their own love and passion and interests. We have just as many writers or artists or ministers so they, fo- they know who they are and they follow that. But when they go into high school, I'll tell you why they're typically better prepared than students coming from a traditional program. Now just think about this for a moment. Students coming from a traditional program have been used to sitting in their desks most of every day being told exactly what to do, haven't they? Okay, turn to page 54, read the paragraph, answer the questions. Hand them in, you'll get your grade, okay? That is how, that's pretty much how traditional education works. Here, they have been learning many different other skills. They have been learning how to think. We, 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 our curriculum is structured so differently that children really are given choices in their learning. And that sounds like it would be an easy thing. But it isn't. (laughs) But it isn't. It isn't. So they have to have time management skills in place. They have to have organizational skills in place. So in the secondary program, in our middle school program, those executive functioning skills, being organized, setting goals, managing their time, refining all of their academic skills, communication skills, those are the skills that are really, really refined in middle school. And when they go through our program, they walk into high school with all of those skills that the traditionally trained students do not have. So the first time that the high school teacher tells them, gives them an assignment, our Montessori students are pulling out their planners and saying, okay, let's, they're writing down all of their assignments. And I've had students come back and say, you know that everybody in my class is looking at me like what what are you using that for what, what who taught you how to do that and of course it's the Montessori experience so that's why I'm saying they typically do much better going into ninth grade than those from traditional and the proof in the pudding I, I every year we get the lists of students in honors classes and AP classes leaders, they've won scholarships, they've won awards. And that I attribute to the fact that they're well-rounded, organized, uh, independent workers who are very self-confident and communicate very well. Those are the skills that lead to success, not only in high school, but beyond college and life. So actually, they're very, very successful. And I also have to say that they...
0: In middle school, they do get grades. They are held accountable for certain specific things. They need to do their things. So once they go into a traditional school, they know all this stuff, what they have to do. Um, I mean, generally, when you hear all of these students who graduated in our school, it's so nice to see that they're all, as you just said, in IP courses, um, They're getting into the best colleges in the country. So it's all of it is a very positive outcome. Um, For me as an English language arts teacher, I find it personally very encouraging that our Montessori students take on so much more ownership of their own learning. You really don't have to force them and you don't have to push them. They love being in the classroom. Um, I also think that is one huge advantage specifically in secondary education Um, that we do a lot of project-based learning. So project-based learning for us is a huge thing. The students actually learn without realizing it. They know their stuff. They don't have to learn anything by heart. They learn by doing it. And by saying that, I would like to um, mention another point, which is our Earth Kinder program, for example, right? So, um, which is an amazing program, um, Ms. Trudy. Maybe you can explain a little bit more about the Earth Kinder program.
1: Yes, absolutely. And 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 you are so right, Stephanie, about um, you know the project-based learning. And just to interject before I go to that, is you know that's a question I often get from parents saying, well. How is it Montessori in the middle school if you don't have Montessori materials? Because the materials are what kind of define Montessori all the way from early childhood, from infant toddlers to early childhood and elementary. And then you get to middle school, those students are beyond the materials. They don't, they're, you know, they, they would be, they they actually would be insulted if we brought the Montessori materials in here because they feel like they move beyond that, right? But what takes it, takes its place project-based learning. That's the actual hands-on experience of what goes on in middle school and just an extension of what they've done in the Montessori world earlier, but but real-life materials this time, if that makes sense. So now Erdkinder. Well, Erdkinder came from uh, Dr. Montessori herself as a term uh, meaning earth children or land children. Uh, Dr. Montessori's vision was that that children and adolescents actually go off and live on a farm, right? And be, be separated from their parents for the entire six years. Um, that was her vision because she felt that at that stage of development, that plane of development is so difficult, not only for the students, but also for the parents, that the healthiest relationship is one that's apart, and the parents visit the farm where the, where their students would actually run a farm, uh, also engage in academic studies, and also run a small little hostel for parents who come and visit them. So that was her vision. Now uh, that has not really come to fruition in 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 Big numbers. There are schools out there, absolutely. The Hershey Farm is one that is actually very successful, and they they do that. But, for example, in our school, that's just not going to work. So what has happened with many Montessori schools that want to provide an Kinder experience? Then we provide projects with um, interaction with nature, land work, anything on the land. Okay, so uh, to give you some examples here, they, they, the students have been building a butterfly garden from ground up, right? So that means, you know, the irrigation system had to go in place, the water retention system had to go in place. They had to research the butterfly gardens, the plants, the butterflies, and they're in process of building that. And so it is coming to life. It's taken a year. It's still not finished. So it's a long-term project. Uh, Another project was they just studied bees and how important bees are to our food, um, you know, uh, environment and, and to the process of farming. And so they did their research and they ended up building bee hotels. For bees to have a place to rest and to gather, and and so that's the kind of you know they have gardens, they have um, uh, stem projects where they're building. Um, they've built many things in the past. They've built um, a planetarium. A planetarium it? last year. They built so math was in, was included, engineering was included, science was included. A beautiful big domed planetarium that was. Uh, large enough for approximately 20 to 25 students to fit yeah. inside of it and then we were able they they were able to um, show the um, constellations on the ceiling of the dome and had all of the ages come through at the school so that's just an example of some of the the project projects that that we do and it's all connected to our curriculum our Montessori curriculum our cosmic curriculum integration of subjects so
0: yeah and really exciting I think it's really important to say as well that all the subjects are always interacting with each other they have to write a paper about what they're going to do then they have to examine that. They have to analyze it. And at the end, we have the final
1: project. That's um, right. So it's all integrated. All the subjects are integrated. So it makes sense to adolescents, right? What The most common complaint you hear from middle school students is, what what does this have to do with anything? Why do I have to learn this, right? Well, yeah. in this integrated type of curriculum, they see all those connections and that helps them. And that's what creates such strong critical thinkers. Because to, to create... A critical thinker to strengthen people's critical thinking skills, you must expose them people to many different points of view, to different ways of looking at things, to different ways of solving problems, to different w- ways of coming up with ideas and solutions. So that's why Montessori students tend to be such high critical thinkers because they have been doing that if they've been in the Montessori program since early childhood, right? They've been uh, encouraged to collaborate to come up with solutions to work together to um, to help each other so yeah there's on so many levels like I said this is a you know a small summary but the Montessori philosophy yeah. is so in-depth I mean even like when you look at leaders such as Jeff Bezos founder of Amazon
0: or George Clooney the actor they all have become such amazing leaders in our current society so and they were all Montessorians or they still are Montessorians right. Um so it's actually obvious that Montessori does the trick, right?
1: Well well, of course, um, for, I mean I, mean, sorry, I believe but. I definitely <laughs> believe that Montessori is here's the thing. I believe Montessori is for most children. Okay? It's not for all adults. Yeah. Not all adults want the same things out of education. So that's where the match may not True. You know, come in. However, if FAMILIES TRULY WANT THEIR CHILD TO BECOME THE BEST VERSION OF WHO THEY ARE, NOT WHAT THEY WANT THEM TO BE. Yeah. <laughs> Montessori IS A BEAUTIFUL WAY FOR THEIR CHILD TO GET THERE. AND YOU'RE ABSOLUTELY RIGHT, STEPHANIE, SO MANY GREAT THINKERS, SO MANY GREAT LEADERS, YOU WOULD BE SURPRISED IF YOU REALLY RESEARCHED HOW MANY of some of the great thinkers and leaders and creators in our country, in the world, have started with Montessori roots. Uh, it just changes. This is how um, this is how important it is because you know the development of the brain from birth through six years of age is at its most, most formidable. And it never ever really repeats that that significant stage at the same level it's almost dr montessori called it the absorbent mind she said it was just like it absorbed like a sponge and it is so true so what people absorb at the very critical age um, really stays with them for the rest of their lives whether it's their you know their ability to love learning or to communicate or to you know look at life outside of the box yeah you know those are the things that stay with them why you know they and some of those the the google founders attributed to their monastery early years Yeah. yeah i think that's also like um why we also have to focus
0: on organic education more than the very standardized traditional education and we all connect as a global melting pot somehow
1: absolutely and you know the beautiful thing is to me is that all if you, if you research the brain development today and the brain research going on today, it, it is so so in line with what Dr. Montessori said yeah. and, and recommended in terms of how to nourish the child's developing brain. It is very, very, um, you know, actually it reinforces what Dr. Montessori said over a hundred years ago without the benefit of technology. Today, technology can actually yeah. watch the brain and see what's going on. But um, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing too, that, you know, the science is telling us that Montessori is a very, very viable way to educate children well. And, and today, they don't call it Montessori, but you know what the, the buzzwords are today, the three C's, right? If you, if you research the three C's, uh, that's what education, the educators out there are saying. Yeah. Three C's, collaboration, communication, creativity, right? Everything that Dr. Montessori talked about 100 years ago and is built into our program, which is why it works, because it's based on science. Okay.
0: So. so to conclude, um, because we're already like on 35 minutes, um, we would like to know a little bit more about any future developments uh, specifically during these difficult times i mean for no school it was easy i guess during this pandemic and you know it has changed everything and it was very hard for some families and some communities so in your opinion how do you think will education change for the future
1: or yeah just in a few sentences what is your plan for the future well, we all know that this past year was like no other, okay? I don't, th- I don't care if you're a monastery school, or if you're a traditional school, you know, the world was turned upside down. And, and we all were forced to learn new things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, even I was forced to become better at technology. and. Everyone is better Everybody is better at technology. <laughs> So, you know, it's a new tool, and so we should be using it as a tool. I, I foresee, you know, and I'm hoping, this is my hope, that yeah. you know, as the pandemic is brought under control, you know, we need to be back together. I mean, that is the to best work way, as a community. that is the best way for people, all people to learn, is to be together. Um, we, we do it now, hybrid, you know, we have some students here that families are comfortable sending their children to, uh, our program, and we still have them online because some people have, you know, severe health issues at home and they can't take yeah. the chance. And it works great. And it works great. So we are, we are, you know, looking at, hey, you know, not that we would want to just continue online, but there are so many positive features that who knows maybe you know students who are traveling maybe students who have health issues maybe students who have family health issues we can still have that you know digital world as as an option makes life much easier right but i think i think you know it's just the way of the future um and if you look at globally right um you can have we've learned that you can have people all over the world yeah, I mean um, we had one student in Portugal. Too, yes, we had a Europe. student in Portugal. We in had France students at the moment. In France, we had students all over the world. So, you know what? It it opens up doors and that's how I like to look at everything. You know, I I've built our school on the philosophy of Montessori, but part of that philosophy is to always be open to learning new things. Always be open and excited about the possibilities. What, what does that mean? What could we do? And I think that's why our school is very unique, because I've never closed doors to things you know. because, no, we don't do it that way. I'm always open. And so I think that's what I want of our students and our staff, to always be open, to think about life with a sense of awe and, and opportunity and possibilities. And so that's guess, amazing. So I guess that's my answer. Thank you very much, Miss Judy.
0: Well, I think that was our first official podcast. And um, we hope to see you all soon again, well, or hear from you, whatever you prefer. Um, we're going to have another podcast coming out soon. And we will let you know about our topic next time. Well,
1: I just want to thank you. I'm honored to be the first guest. <laughs> um, I can certainly always talk about Montessori. and I. I it's a pleasure for me to do so. So thank you so I'm much. I'm always nice here you. for you if you need me. So thank you we'll so definitely
0: come back. Thank, thank you. you
1: everyone.